0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to an NCAA tournament edition of the Blue Jays Spites podcast. My name is Brian Ott. I go by Creighton Otter on com, And it's been a while, but we appreciate you guys joining us back for another edition of the Blue Jays Spites podcast. This is always one of my favorite ones of the year. I'm joined by Matt DeMarenas, who is on location with the Blue Jays men's basketball team, one of two teams from the hilltop in action as at-large qualifiers for their respective NCAA basketball tournaments that begin this weekend. Matt, sounds like you tr- you got there okay, a little delayed, but uh, tell 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 all the good fans and friends at home that you're there safely and that we can uh, we can vouch for you being in Charlotte. Yeah, we we definitely are here safely. Uh, I charted with a team,
1: so they're here safely too. All present in the county. Um, it was a little bit eventful. We had to wait in the airport for about. Let's see. I got there at eleven thirty because I like to be early, and we boarded the plane around four thirty. So, I'd have it at an airport than I thought I would, but it wasn't as bad as last week. So, I don't have any complaints. Our bus driver almost killed us.
0: Well, that would on, seem to be on the
1: way to the hotel. That that was a little bit scary, but
0: that would seem to be a complaint <clears throat> of, of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so, so the bus driver's like, he's got this North Carolina accent, you know, he's got this like Southern drawl and. He's just about fed up pretty much because apparently while we were while we were delayed in the airport, he was kind of just sitting around waiting for us to get to Charlotte so he could take us to the airport or take us to the hotel. But he was in really a big of a hurry because I guess he you know he drove through an active railroad crossing. Um, the arms were coming down and we heard him scrape the top of the bus as the train was coming in coming in hot to our left, but we made it out alive, so we're all right. Yikes! And then we, yeah, then we get to the team hotel, which is not the hotel that a few of us were staying at. Um, and he was supposed to take us to the media hotel, but he wasn't having any of that, so we kind of had to fight him on it. Um, but apparently, yeah. So either way, he ended up taking us. We ended up winning that battle, and uh, here we are settled into the to the Omni, right up the street from the Spectrum or Spectrum Center, where they'll be playing. <laughs> Kansas State on Friday.
0: All right. Well, I'm kind of imagining Billy Madison's bus driver played by Chris Farley. Uh, oh, just kind oh, of fed yeah. up with everything and stealing <laughs> all the sack lunches from Martine and Kyrie and those guys. Um, thinking about that, but that's perfect. Dude, probably. it's kind of crazy, though. Like, dri- uh, driving home last night from something tonight, I was listening to the the UCLA St. Bonaventure shit show. Led by Steve Alford and the the bumbling guards of the Bruins, but um, one of the radio breaks they had like a PSA um, ad council ad for not for like reminding people to respect train crossings, and it was like super ominous. It was like people say that a train won't break when it sees a car on the track, but it will a mile after it hits you and i was like whoa that is a super intense ad like i kind of was scared i was nowhere near a train stop or a train crossing but i was like i was driving home quick i just need to get off the road so <laughs> glad to hear That's, that you guys were able to yeah. avoid that ominous conclusion from the ad council ad but maybe drop that drop that ad to that bus driver tomorrow if you see him or something no ever. question all right. He said he has to
1: drive around some baseball team all weekend, so hopefully they don't have to cross any railroad tracks.
0: All right. Speaking of baseball, <laughs> can we just touch on that real quick before we dive into this basketball-heavy, so, I mean, like – you want to talk about
1: some Micah Modi dongs? Like, I kind of want to
0: talk about some Micah Modi dongs because the dude is raking right now, like, Le- like leading like the,
1: the nation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, yeah, that sorry. Like yeah, you know you're good. Um, I think I was just—you caught me watching a replay of the home run again last night from uh, the game at Kansas State. Because uh, I think it's—I think it's on its way. I
1: think it's on its way to Charlotte right now. That ball, yeah,
0: right? I it's think that court. I think that ball broke Dean Wade's foot or whatever's that kid's, you know <laughs> booting around up in Charlotte or something. Because that ball was tagged. So yeah, I mean, just context for the listeners a little bit before we jump in. Uh, Blue Jays hanging quite a few crooked numbers for. Ed service uh so far, they went and took two out of three up this weekend at uh u s bank field up in Minneapolis against the golden Gophers they went and just what ten run uh or put you know put thirteen up against Kansas State last night um mm-hmm. in a team i mean that was a team that had won ten games already, <coughs> so uh nothing to bat an eye against, i guess so far, but um we were kind of joking off the air this is like in this is like a a weird like uh um anti ed service team right now i mean they've made a ton yeah. of errors so far relatively speaking they're hitting a ton of home runs relatively speaking and the pitching's been probably you know uh, kevin tappany has been great so far but other than that uh yeah. sunday know, sunday sunday's been
1: batting practice so far that's what they have, have yeah
0: yeah, so, I don't know. I know that you'll get more into things with Ed, and they had to cancel already, preemptively cancel Friday's home opener against Wichita State due to – Isn't
1: that so like Ed to cancel a game two days
0: out? <laughs> right. Do you think well, – Oh, yeah. want, He probably just <laughs> does want to deal with, like, Wichita State. Dude, I don't blame him at it's all. Cur- like, this is one of those things that's like, oh, okay, we'll we'll slowly get back into that. Like, I don't want to see them in this building again. You know, I just – I can't.
1: Yeah, I'm with that. Anyway, yeah, we got two days out. We're expecting some weather, so let's just done.
0: It. Uh, so, that's good. So by now, most of the listeners of this podcast have probably seen the video from the reaction of the of Jim Flannery's team. Um, ultimately, waiting until the last couple minutes of the women's selection show after being teased the day before that they were in that last group of eight, being considered uh, either in or out um just kind of explain to me how that went i mean the video itself i'm super emotional to see and i mean you know (laughs) they say they show all these teams getting pumped up right and the men's teams show some emotion but they're all sitting there and like their flip-flops and their sweatpants and some of them are just like chilled out whatever i mean that was legit um excitement and relief and just stress unwound from that team uh, talking with them so far after the selection. I mean, what, what's the sense? I know we've got an interview coming up later in the show that you're going to tease, but um, I guess maybe what's the sense from from Flan's bunch about how they feel headed into Los Angeles this weekend uh, to start with the Iowa Hawkeyes? Well, I think they feel. I think they obviously they feel pretty good to be in the tournament. I think they think they they felt like they earned
1: that spot. Um, just the whole process of getting their conference tournament done a week before selection Monday and. You know, kind of having to watch uh, other conference tournaments and make sure that <clears throat> that chalk was holding up and that there weren't any bid stealers going on, which was, first of all, it's straight up crazy. In terms of watching a bubble team have to get, you know, the bounces their way in terms of how other conference tournaments play out, I've never seen anything play out the way Creighton's did. Like, I mean, I, it's, it's such a long list of things that needed to happen to make – you know, to secure Creighton's spot. Um, and every, every single thing happened. Like Green Bay won their league. Um, they would have been an at large team for sure had they lost their championship game. Uh, South Dakota State had an at large opportunity, but they beat South Dakota for the first time in three tries this year to hmm. steal their own at large bid. And then, you know, obviously South Dakota didn't have enough of a resume to get in as an at large. So that was this. South Dakota State essentially stole their own at large bid by that, with that win. Um, FGCU was another team that could have earned an at large had they not won their league, but they did. Um, Ball State was an at large team in the MAC, but they got bounced in the first round of their conference tournament. And then Buffalo and Central Michigan were the other two teams that needed to meet in the finals um, to kind of make sure no one stole a bid from the MAC, and that's what happened. I mean, it was just crazy how many things went. Right. Princeton, Kerry Moore, former assistant coach for Creighton, mm-hmm. now uh, an assistant on Princeton's staff. Princeton won the Ivy League. They whipped up on everybody in that field um, to make sure that they secured the auto bid. I mean, just, it was crazy. Every single day, there was like three or four things that needed to happen, and they all happened. I mean, I can't even think of one one at this point that went against Creighton that you're like, uh-oh, um, that might be a problem. So. Going into Selection Monday, I mean, they released that, that, that eight-team list for the first time this year, and it, they call it the debatable eight, and four, so it was essentially, it was a group of eight teams, and four of them were going to be the last four in, and the other four were going to be the, the first four out. <laughs> so, so that only added...
0: That's that cold-blooded.
1: Yeah, exactly. That it, that it made the last 24 hours before the Selection show um, even more stressful. Uh, because they didn't, you know, they they kind of assumed that they were in a good standing among that group, and they were in hindsight. But you know, it still didn't make the, the show. Watching the show it didn't make it any more, any less stressful. Because you see teams like when you saw Oklahoma come off the board, they were sixteen and fourteen this year. Um, they played the second toughest schedule in the country, so you know you kind of understand why they lost as much as they did. But still, when you see a sixteen and fourteen team get in, you're like, you're wondering. Where do you stand in that in that inter- in that in that conversation? And then Minnesota was the other team that got in that was like, oh, because they don't have a great non-conference of schedule at all. They were in the 290s. so you're wondering if that was even a factor, which was one of Creighton's strongest arguments: the fact that they played a really tough non-conference schedule. Um, so you, when when Creighton got down to the, the the last team that hadn't been announced of that group of eight, yeah, um, Rutgers had a good shot. And so did Creighton. So you're wondering, you know, does the Big Ten team get in or does the Big East team get in? It was kind of like a, you know, it was a really nervous nervous moment, that final bracket reveal, because I think you could make an argument for either team. Mm -hmm. Um, Rutgers really struggled down the stretch. I think they they really struggled after January, so that probably did them in, in in the end. And um, you know, the rest is history. Creighton ultimately got the bid against a team that they are really familiar with. That Iowa team, they they haven't played them much on the schedule that counts, but they scrimmage them every single year out in Iowa. Flan always schedules that as like their first true road game of the season, just to kind of get his kids, you know, accustomed to life on the road and get those nerves out of the way before the actual season starts. So sure, they scrimmage them every single season, and it was no different this year. Um. It was a really high-scoring game. Iowa ended up having a really hot fourth quarter and coming back to win, but um, I think they won 89-82 as the final score. So, yeah, um, Creighton's really happy with their draw. They're really happy to be in the field. And, yeah, certainly that moment um, of seeing their name pop up when they weren't sure it was going to, you get you get a raw reaction that's unlike really anything. I mean, it was it was kind of funny because Mercer was a team that won – Conference tournament,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and their reaction—I like, I don't know—I kind of maybe you, maybe you disagree, but I kind of like think it's funny when teams that have an automatic bid freak out when they see <laughs> yeah, their name on. Right? Like you're 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 in—you're automatically qualified. There's nothing that, you're going to see your name up there. But like Mercer's reaction was really weird because it was acting like they weren't expecting to see their name. Yeah, you know, as opposed to a team like Creighton, who really had no idea either way if they were in or out as opposed to that raw reaction. But I don't know. I, I Maybe – I don't know. How do you feel about, like, automatic qualifiers? Because, you know, they show their reactions a lot too, and they they act almost as surprised as the at-large teams. Right?
0: I mean, I like uh, – I, th- I was thinking back to what um, Sunday on the men's side. They put – oh, they showed the Penn Quakers up there, right? And mm-hmm. they're coming off a high, right? They beat Harvard in the Palestra – and they're going to be a 16 seed, and they throw the they throw the matchup against Kansas up there, and I mean I dig what those kids get freaked out about and pumped up about because they all want a shot at a one seed, right? I mean that yeah, like, that sure. that's exciting, um, seeing the draw, but yeah, when they like bounce around the country, they're like, here's a look at the uh, Cincinnati Bearcats, and those dudes are just chilled out, like they don't. <laughs> You know, like, what am I supposed to get pumped up? Like, the NCAA is just sitting there making a bunch of money on this selection show with me trotted out on TV wearing sweatpants and probably, you know, shoveling down crappy food in a dining hall on campus. Uh, you know, I don't know. That's just maybe me kind of starting to get a little raw to just how much money is going to be made on these uh, student athletes of the next four weeks. I mean, the the money's just Ugh, it's gross. So, uh, you know, but I thought being in person, to segue back to the men a little bit, because um, I did, I took I took our boys down to their first ever selection show. You know, thinking back to... Oh, was that their first one? Yeah, so like Doug's senior year, uh, my wife and I, we were still in New York that Sunday. We didn't fly back until the Monday. And so we watched the selection show together, um, you know we saw that storyline creep up on the screen and then had to immediately go drink. Um, And then last year we had just gotten back from New York. Uh, We didn't feel like uh, going down there. We felt like we'd probably run into Villanova's defense or something on the way down and not make it to the Sokol arena or something. Um, So we didn't take the boys then. So, yeah, I mean, you know, our oldest is super pumped about the Jays and he wanted to get, when I told him there was autographs, you know, he immediately was like, well can we get to talk to Kyrie and you know all this stuff mm-hmm. so it was cool to, probably, to experience first in the car yeah right
1: well, you the autograph so he just waits in the car for you okay let's go yeah
0: exactly um but you know seeing the Jays pop up on the screen on their bracket and then Kansas State immediately I was very close to Marcus who was seated immediately in front of coach Mack and I don't know how much that visual actually made it onto like the local news or if people watch local news anymore or something but um you know Marcus's head immediately just flings back like oh my god you got to be kidding me and Mack just in instant kind of fatherly reaction just immediately puts his arms in this huge embrace around Marcus and he's laugh, you know, he's laughing. Like what, you know, what can you expect other than, you know, hashtag storylines? I like, mm-hmm. that was the reaction that I loved seeing was that just immediate, these guys have, you know, Mac took a huge chance on Marcus for whatever you want to say, huge or not. I mean, he took a chance, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And Marcus is, has been the real deal for the Jays and, to see that kind of just raw little bit of emotion that way, I thought that was really telling, you know, and to explain that to uh, my boys, I thought was really a uh, unique uh, experience. But then I'm sure, you know, Jam- my oldest James, he got really upset. He's like, in the, in the layup or the autograph line, he's like looking for Marcus and looking for Marcus, you know, and I'm like, ah, buddy, I think Marcus is gonna be answering the same two or three questions every day from now until friday morning and it's gonna suck for him you know it's gonna be <laughs> a grind for him and for as excited as tyshawn and davion were um you could see it on their faces they get to go home and that that's really great for them i think you could immediately start to see And a market regardless of what the matchup was going to be marcus was going to be that guy along with toby to be tabbed for the media stuff anyway right they made that known mm-hmm. right? um I think that's just, I'll be super interested to see how that goes for Marcus. Um, especially if shots don't fall at the get-go for him. Um, I'll just be interested to see how this rolls for him this week. You?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. Part of me thinks it's a little, you know, you can't really complain about it. But part of me thinks it's really unfair to him. Um, just because, Just, just think about, in terms of how much pressure he's under now because he was at K-State and everything was going well the first year. Um, you know, he had big goals for, you know, not really even being in college that long. You know, he thought he was going to tear it up in the Big 12 for a little bit, and he did, and then he was going to bounce and be a first-round draft pick, and, you know, it, it kind of didn't go that way. And, you know, the rest is history. has certainly been told over and over again, so we know that story. But now for him to kind of have a a major kind of redemption at Creighton, um, you know, these last three years, he's kind of really changed a lot about who he is as a person. Um, and he's had a great career as a player. There's no debate about that at all. So for him to, you know, you remember how fast he came back remember after the Rhode Island game, how quick he came how quick he decided he wasn't even going to test the NBA draft waters. Yeah. He wasn't going to go work out at all. He was just going to, you know, attack his summer workout program and mm-hmm. um, come back to Creighton. And he wanted to get back to the NCAA tournament because he didn't like the way it ended last year. And he and he got in incredible shape this year. I mean, he did not Oh, my slip- gosh,
0: dude. I was flipping through. Well, I mean, you could see it in, like, the, the senior highlight uh, video that Tom put together. Um, and then certainly any of the photos in our photo gallery. I mean, night and day. The they should yep. hang up. They they can just go ahead and hang up before, or after up in the champions, uh, in the championship center, right? Um, of the work that he put in, because yeah, it's been extremely impressive to see manifest physically uh, what he's driven himself to be, right? Yeah, and then to
1: my like, I guess to my point is for that to all happen, right? And then for him to again they're sitting there on Selection Sunday really confident that they're going to be in the field. Um, there wasn't any doubt about that in their minds. And then for for that, to, for Kansas State to pop up, you know, in his mind, he kind of knew that that's, that was a possibility because just based on the season both of those teams had, that they were going to be really close in seeding and the 8-9 possibility was, was high. But, I mean, just think of how much pressure he's under, you know, because this is his last year. What if he you know, presses and underperforms. What if the first few shots don't go down and then he I starts know. to force it and then, right. you know, it snowballs? And, what if, and you know, like how does he – is, he going to be able to walk off the floor at peace with how his career transpired, um, spending five years in college when he only planned maybe two, right? Right. Um, and then for K-State to be the team that ends his career when that's where he started. Like I just don't know psychologically – how that would sit. And I feel like there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on him on Friday. And I'm really curious to see how he is going to handle that. And, and and honestly, it's really going to start. It's really going to start with a full head of steam tomorrow because once the K-State media gets a hold of him, um, once he sees that team on the floor, if he runs into Bruce Weber in the in the tunnel, like he says, he said um, after the selection show that he hasn't spoken to Bruce Weber since since he transferred. So I mean, <laughs> he, 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 but you feel like there's there's
0: uh, what,
1: however Bruce feels about that. You you have to imagine there's some hard feelings there. Then if they haven't spoken at all, right? Um, or so Bruce just,
0: Weber's just a jackass, whatever.
1: Yeah. However, I mean, whatever the situation is, like I'm sure. sure there's, there's going to be a ton of pressure on him. It's all going to start tomorrow, and I just. I'm really curious to see how he how he handles that because I don't I just don't think I, I mean as far as pairings go I understand Creighton Kansas State all that but I mean I just wish for him that he had an opportunity just to focus on basketball right um, and not necessarily have to deal with the pressure of playing against his former team and what possibly might be his last collegiate game you know I just that's a lot I just I don't know. We'll yeah. see how it unfolds, though. But I just those are my initial thoughts on when I saw it happen.
0: Yeah, mine too. I just want him to go out, um, as, uh, you know, as well as he has played for the Jays in you know the last two collective years. And I think that, like you, like you said, you know, I, I I say two, but it's really been three because he he had to grind through that transfer year, and mm-hmm. I've never been down around the team when. A guy like Cole Huff, or a guy like uh, Caleb Joseph, or a guy like um, Marcus Foster is doing that work day in and day out. But I gotta imagine it's just a grind, and and yeah, I
1: mean, I imagine it's hard to show up to practice when you know you're not gonna play. I mean, it's it's you have to really you have to really devote yourself to it. That's probably your toughest year, you know, when you're when you're showing up to practice and going through the grind, and at least you have the reward of. There being a game in a couple of days that you can suit up and do your thing, um, but for a transfer year, for a redshirt year, you essentially have to approach every practice like it's a game. You have to embrace the daily grind, but you can't—you know—you don't get that reward of getting to show show the hard work in front of the in, in you know under the bright lights, if you will. So yeah, yeah, that's that's a tough year for those guys. That's it's kind of why I don't really criticize transfers very much because you know, as the rules are in place, other than, you know, grad transfers are obviously the exception, but guys that, like, move on, I think there's a lot of public criticism about guys who decide to switch schools for various reasons, um, and people tend to be a little hard on them, obviously, because if they transfer from their school, there's some feelings that get hurt and things like that, but, you know, when when you think about if a kid makes a decision to transfer in the middle of his career, he's essentially sacrificing one year of his athletic, you know, pride, if you will, just to be a student athlete and just to go to practice. Um, And he doesn't get to play any games. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind if there were some rule changes that, you know, allowed guys to be eligible right away. I think that's something that probably should happen. But, you know, for now, the sacrifice is incredible that those guys um, make to sit out a full year and, and still work hard and you know, before they can play a game. That's, that's that's a difficult thing to do, I think.
0: Sure. So I teased the interview you have with some of the women's basketball team. I know we've got some... Uh, I know you took some time with some of the men's basketball players, too. What do you have for us? Um, what do you have for us on tap tonight, uh, interview-wise?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I just caught up with Tyler Clement in the airport, actually, since we had so much time to kill. But, um, <laughs> yeah, just to kind of get the the lay of the land as far as the psyche of the team and how they're how they're handling this go run in the NCAA tournament compared to last year, what lessons they've learned and you know how they're preparing themselves to to you know kind of like that, you know, it obviously didn't sit well with them that they went one and done last year, but you know, they were kind of a worn down group. I mean, they made it all the way to the big East tournament championship game, lost to Villanova. I mean that was a grind. They come back selection. They come back, you know, essentially selection Sunday is their was their off day, but they, you know, they had to be at the arena in the afternoon to watch the show, find out where they're going, and then what they had a couple days to prepare before they hit the road all the way to the West Coast. You know what I mean? So I think it was just a lot to deal with, and you know this go around they certainly seem like there's just. There's a little bit more relaxation, and I don't know that's probably not the right word to use for an NCAA tournament, but there's a lot more relaxation in, in terms of how much time they've had to prepare. And you know, since they got bounced in the first round of the Big East tournament, they had a couple of days off, which is which certainly can be valuable, um, whether they wanted that or not. Obviously, that's not what they wanted, but it is valuable that they got to be, get off their feet for a couple of days and you know, kind of you know, recharge the batteries a little bit before they prepare for you know, a really good Kansas State team.
0: So I know we'll be touching base with you all weekend from Charlotte. Um, Maybe give our listeners a sense of what your day will look like tomorrow. So the Jays tip off at six o'clock ish Eastern time on Friday. You're Mm -hmm. in with the team tonight. They've got some events tomorrow, some responsibilities, kind of what's your day look like? Um, well, there's gonna be a yeah. Uh, there's open practice from 9 a.m. to
1: six, I think, with all the teams involved in the pod. Um, what Providence and AM, And North Carolina and Lipscomb, uh, Virginia, UMBC, and uh, Creighton, Kansas State. Um, so that'll be a full day, I think. I'd ser- I'm certainly interested to see that Kansas State press conference just to see, uh, you know, what kind of comments. Bruce Weber has about the Marcus Foster situation because I'm sure he's going to get asked, Um, and Marcus Foster, and likewise for Marcus Foster. But I've also seen some interesting comments, like in the in the paper already. I mean, I I think honestly, Marcus is like kind of a marked man this week. I mean, you know, you see, I saw Kansas State player, uh, I think his name is Barry Brown. I I haven't watched much Kansas State this year. I apologize for that. I I have watched them a couple times, but I haven't watched them to watch them. If that makes sense, I think I do. Oh yeah. Sure. A Trey Young game that he went off against K State, and uh, maybe a couple others where I was watching different teams. But um, yeah, Barry Brown has had an interesting comment about Marcus. Uh, I think he he's he's he must be Kansas State's defensive stopper because he kind of made a comment about being really excited to show off what he's capable of against Marcus in that one-on-one matchup. So, I mean, there okay. They, that's not exactly a punch-pulled comment, if you know what I mean. It, it, right. When I saw it, oh, wow, that's interesting and you know very pointed. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how how that whole Marcus Kansas State thing goes tomorrow because, um, I I I, I would be absolutely shocked if it's not the over overarching storyline of the day when those two teams are on the practice floor and in the press conference. So, that's that's kind of what I'm interested for tomorrow.
0: Okay. And then I know you're not in Los Angeles, but the women out there. When will they take off? Are they already out there? They will leave tomorrow. Okay, so, yeah. so they'll be out there. They, they
1: practice. They practiced today. They practiced yesterday at the Championship Center. Um, pretty good. They shot the heck out of the ball yesterday. So um, I think there's really like a an extra pep in their We're seeing their name pop up on that board, obviously, because I think they came back, you know, after the after losing to Marquette in the Big East semifinals and they took a couple of days off, but then they came back. And I think their first day of practice was really good, everybody returning. Um, but the second one was kind of like one of those – it was a little bit of a clunker because they, they just – all that was on their minds was the NCAA tournament and the selection show and seeing where they landed. So their focus wasn't really sharp. Um, but their first practice after, after learning that their assignment is Iowa and learning that they're in the tournament was was quite the opposite. And they shot the, they shot the ball really well, I mean, all across – all, all up and down the lineup really had a really good shooting day. So, um, and they're really confident about this Iowa matchup. It's it's a it's an opponent they're very familiar with. Like I've alluded to before, because of they scrimmage them every year. Um, and yeah, I think they, I think they're, I, they're. It's a really confident group. I think you know, in the past, you might get, you might get some some of these some of these teams that are just excited to be part of the field. But I think when. When Creighton sees their draw and they see Iowa there as an opponent they're very familiar with, an opponent they think they can beat, and then they're out in Los Angeles, so they assume UCLA in that three-four matchup is going to prevail and be their second-round matchup. Mm-hmm. That's a team that they played really tight in Vegas this year in that in that in that Thanksgiving tournament. I mean, it was a single-digit ball game the whole way. Um, it's it's so they're not going to go out there and see a name on the front of a jersey that's going to intimidate them. And I think the fact that should they win those two games and then get to go to Kansas City I think creates quite an incentive for them um because obviously that's 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 a chance for Creighton fans to to travel down and support them uh and give them some kind of a home court advantage a home away from home court advantage if you will so they 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 they're really confident going to this weekend they they do have a tall task Iowa is a really good team a really potent offensive team um Megan Gussett's and their post player is one of the best players in the country um, so that's a tall task for sure, and UCLA is, is you know Jordan Canada is a dynamic guard, and, you know they're one of the best teams in the country all season long. They've proven that. So you know they gave UConn a run last year in the NCAA tournament as well. So back with uh, when Kerry Corver was still there, yeah, um, the Corver the Corver cousin. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's not like you know you wouldn't say that Creighton's an overwhelming favorite or anything like that. They do have an uphill battle, but it's not they're not going to face. They're not going to face teams this weekend that they don't think they can beat. So that's that's the first step.
0: <clears throat> Sounds good. So let's um, let's tee up this Tyler Clement interview first, Matt. Um, I know we you kind of mentioned it already, but we'll go with him first, and then we'll we'll close with uh, with your women's interview. But you want to set the stage here before we hear uh, uh, Tyler Clement speak? Sure. So like I just uh,
1: you know I I like catching up with Tyler because. Um, you know, he's kind of the backbone of this whole team. I know people I know people wonder what his his role is sometimes and you know, because his playing time is kind of sporadic. Sometimes he'll play 20 minutes, sometimes he won't play any. Um, but he's really the he's kind of like the engine of this whole thing. I mean, he's he's always the most prepared. He's the scout team leader. He gives the, you know, every time you see how how much preparation goes into each matchup and each scout, he's the he's the ringleader of it all and and this is a big week for him too, because he kind of got recognized finally for his academic prowess. Um, been a straight A student his whole entire life, um, and he was honored with an a- academic all American. Yeah. Not this this year, this week. So, um, good to see for Tyler to go out kind of in his senior year with some recognition finally. Um, but yeah, we just we just, just kind of like talk about the Kansas State matchup, what he sees um on film with them. Um, since he's kind of like a coach coach essentially the coaching staff on the floor um, and getting this team ready to play on Friday and then um, kind of how the week of preparation has gone and and, and kind of what they've how, how this year in, in terms of preparation is different than last year um, and what lessons they've learned from uh, losing to Rhode Island last year in this way tournament. so that's kind of what we touch upon during this interview.
0: Sounds good well without further ado. This is Matt DeMoranis interviewing Tyler Clement ahead of Creighton Men's Basketball's trip to Charlotte for the first and second round games of the 2018 NCAA Basketball Tournament starting against Kansas State on Friday night um, here on the Blue Jays Spikes podcast. Well, we're sitting in an airport about to board a plane to Charlotte um, with uh, Tyler Clement here.
1: I appreciate you joining me again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me this is, this is starting to run out as your senior year
2: comes to an end. So. Yeah. So. Um, One of the last opportunities we have. Hopefully we have a couple more in the next week or couple weeks. For sure. So, I guess, uh, what's the What's the week been
1: like for you? Um, maybe just on your own, in your own time, thinking about, you know, your last NCAA tournament. Obviously, you feel good that you're in it, but, you know,
2: have you had any have kind of emotions and things like that this week as yeah.
1: well as, as how it's down?
2: Yeah, I've had a few random moments of nostalgia, kind of, because this is obviously the end of my basketball career, but... For the most part, I'm surprised it probably hasn't hit me yet because I'm not trying to think too much about it. Um, so there has been a few random moments, but for the most part, it's kind of just been, like, you know, trying to think about this first game, K-State, and a lot of what we got to do to beat them, first of all. And so I'm not really trying to think too much about it. Obviously, it's kind of hard not to. Um, but at the same time, I'm just trying to extend our season where we can on Friday. And so hopefully I have a little more time of basketball left. For sure. I guess uh, when you think about last year,
1: and you're coming off the Big East tournament run, go to the title game, fly back, selection Sunday. You guys are probably all on dead legs. Uh, You have a short turnaround for a really physical Rhode Island team. Did you guys? I mean, last year, did you guys get a chance to even catch your breath, or was that? um, Do you think that performance was kind of a factor of kind of everything? run into each other on the short schedule, though it was.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we still had a chance to catch our breath just from the standpoint of, you know, we played Saturday in the championship game, obviously, after three straight days of playing, but I don't think we played until Friday last year. I don't remember if it was Thursday or Friday. I think it was Friday, but so we still did have, you know, five days off. I think from a mental standpoint, one thing, anything this break. will we can definitely learn from last year a lot in a lot of different ways how we weren't ready to play right away against rhode island last year and more than anything i think it's just like a great mental reminder of how we can learn from last year and then it has been nice on a in a way that we've had this rest because we've had guys like you know jacob that are banged up or ronnie that was banged up and so it has been kind of nice to get that get our legs back under us and then just. Prepare for K-State in any way we can, especially from a mental standpoint. What's been What's been different about this time around? Obviously, the experience that you had yeah. last year. You,
1: everything is probably a little bit familiar to you. Yeah. What's been different about the uh, the week of getting yourself ready to play?
2: Yeah, I think it's like I've said, is the approach um, we're taking. I mean. It was a big difference last year. We, last year was a lot of the guys' first NCAA tournament games. I mean, Marks, I think, had played in one, and other than that, nobody had really played in the tournament. And so, like I said, we can definitely learn from last year. But this year, we still have guys that have never played in the tournament, but we're trying to make a point of emphasis, you know, not to do what we did last year where we maybe weren't as ready to come out right away and just kind of a sense of urgency that we've had this week and or at least tried to have had. And so like you said, I mean that's probably what's different from last year to this year is the fact that we recognize what we did wrong last year and we don't want to have that feeling again after one game and so that's more than anything a good motivating factor to come out ready to play. You mentioned the guys that have
1: uh, are going to be experiencing this for the first time. Um, they just had their first experience with Madison Square Garden in the Big East Tournament. It seemed like they they have at the very least passed that test, yeah. if not graded pretty highly. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been what's what's impressed you about the way this um, this freshman class in particular has just kind of you know put their best foot forward in situations where it seems like they should be nervous, but they don't look that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's kind of been a running narrative all year. We've talked about it. Um, throughout the year, in a bunch of different ways. I mean, not only have they stepped up in big, big ways for us, um, whether it's like you said, the big East tournament last week, or throughout the year, they they've filled in some big roles for us. Um, but there, more than anything, just their willingness to learn throughout the year and listen to us, and that's what's been able to make this team dynamic so special. Is the fact that you know they're always listening, they're always looking for ways to improve, and not, don't really get too down if you get on them. So. They've done a great job of stepping up, and it was clear in the first experience in the garden for them, they weren't shy of the moment. I don't expect them to be in the tournament either, so like that has been very impressive, just the way that they've handled any pressures, because they, they really all have stepped up to the plate as true freshmen. What does K-State look like to you when
1: you watch them on film? What, what stands out to you as far as what might be the most challenging part of the Friday afternoon?
2: Yeah, I mean first of all obviously you know they got like dean wade and barry brown who are two great players dean wade was a all big 12 performer and i'm pretty familiar with the big 12 growing up in kansas and growing up around ku and k-state so i've watched a lot of their games and not only you know they've got a couple of those good offensive weapons but they really get after it defensively and so they they've got good team defensive principles and they play really hard so that's a good thing just to see and notice and that could be a good challenge too. Is us overcoming that? Is just how hard they play defensively we're gonna have to match their intensity on both sides of the floor and so uh, it'll be a fun challenge how do you feel about the week of preparation i felt it's been good um it is nice having that extra day playing on friday rather than thursday I always like being more prepared than less, obviously, but um, I feel like we've done a good job and we've obviously tried to scout them as much as we can and get as firm of a handle on them as we can. Being Wednesday right now, we've got another day of practice tomorrow and a couple of days of film to watch them be even more, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think preparation-wise, there's definitely a good plan in place for our coaches and it's just a matter of, you know, coming ready to play next next game. And, What's the challenge in facing a team that you've never faced before?
1: Obviously, you know, when you when you play a Big East team maybe a second time in a row or a second time in the season, yeah. there's like memory retention and some of someone starts to come back, you know, maybe the first day is rough, but then the second you start to become familiar with the scout. What's tough about, um, you know, learning
2: in a short time about an opponent you've never faced before? Yeah, there's definitely some challenges that, you know, like you said, when you're in the Big East, everyone's so familiar with everyone, so while it's, it's definitely a challenge getting to know them, it's also kind of a blessing because they might not know you, know us as well. So there is some challenges trying to get their tendencies down and learn them Because more than anything too on an individual basis, player to player in the Big East you have a good feel for what guys like to do. And, you know, this is a completely new team, and i got to learn, you know, what the guards like to do, whether it's offensively or defensively.
1: We'll wrap up two more. Um, you had quite an honor this, this week. Uh, you know, for a guy for your career, you haven't really gotten as much – Credit as you probably deserve for how much work you put in, um, but you were honored as an academic All-American this this week. I mean, for it to be in your senior year and your last. You know, as as it winds down, is it it more special to happen now? Um, Yeah. And what does it really mean to you?
2: Yeah, it it meant a lot. I mean, to be a first-team academic all-American like that—it was, you know, not necessarily something I expected either, but it was very cool just because it was, you know, kind of encapsulated both my basketball and academic side. It wasn't just one or the other, and so that's both things I've taken—I've had a lot of pride in over the years. You know, trying to excel at both of them, and so for it to kind of encapsulate both, I'm just very honored to be a part of that team and. Um, it is a huge blessing and a huge honor, and I'm very appreciative of you know the award. What was do you remember the last time you didn't get an A in a class? Uh, no, I've never not gotten an A. Never in your life. You, no make, me, you make me sick. I yeah. 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 I've got two classes left in my MBA, so. Are you feeling the pressure to make sure you keep the streak alive? I, I was. I was more proud that I got through graduation last year. That was the big pressure. Now I'm kind of yeah. like whatever. But yeah. <laughs> and last one we came with Tyler from the podcast. We love your
1: your take on the Chiefs' off season acquisitions and subtractions. You lost Alex Smith, but you get Sammy Watkins. Yeah, we're
2: turning into the Dick Ramil Chiefs, (laughs) and we're going to have a crazy offense and a good defense. I don't know. The the verdict's still out on the defense, because obviously we've got some cap room still. Hopefully we can sign some guys. They're obviously going to draft a lot of defensive heavy, but um, we've got some weapons on offense, and everyone, I mean, there's a lot of excitement around Mahomes, and you hear from all these sources, so you hope it's true, but I'm i am excited to see what he can do. He's going to sling that thing around, and we're going to have some deep threats, in Tyreek and Sammy Watkins, so I'm excited for the offense. I hope the defense can improve a little bit, but we'll see. Well, I know it's a business trip for you, but I hope
1: you enjoy it. Have some fun, and good luck in Charlotte. Thank you very much. Thanks Appreciate a lot. me having me on.
0: All right, Matt, always good to hear from Tyler Clement. Hopefully weekend goes well for the Blue Jays and you know we're sitting here talking about a trip to Boston um, Boston right? Is that their Atlanta Atlanta Hotland Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Yeah. that's right Villanova yeah. gets the Boston Atlanta. draft so yeah. uh, so wait
1: both, so if both Creighton teams make the Sweet 16, where are you going? Are you gonna go to KC Power and Light or are you gonna because it kind of gives you an excuse to go back to KC and party a little bit so or are you yeah, gonna go to Atlanta man. Which way, which way, what was it? Someone asked me my destinations. Like, would you rather go to LA or Charlotte? I obviously said LA. Yeah. Then they said Atlanta or, or Kansas City. I said Kansas City, but San Antonio for the Final Four definitely gets the nod over Columbus. Like that's a no, no doubt or anything. Yeah, one, so. right. Like yeah, I mean, no, I thought that they played blast. like
0: first fours in Columbus. What I, I don't know what that <laughs> yeah, is. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, although San, yeah, you have you have a lot of there's a lot of Jays fans that would have. T- some mighty big demons to exercise down at the old uh, down at the old Um, Riverwalk. You know what I
1: hear are good for for demons? Some blue margaritas at Cafe Solace. There you go. So like, I'm super
0: glad that I didn't make that trip because as fun as it would have been to watch him beat Alfred Payton uh, the first day there, uh, it was hard to handle watching that loss from my house uh, against Baylor. I was... I don't know. That was the...
1: straight. Up, that was like straight-up torture. I'll just give you a...
0: Yeah, no, I know, and what, I don't know but that's that... That's
1: not like from the Blue Jay perspective. It's like you had this team that had so many goals of being finally the team to do something that had never been done before, and then it didn't even come close to happening. Like, it wasn't even like a suspenseful no. ending where it was just a... It was kind of like a bludgeoning that was... You were helpless for essentially 30 minutes, so...
0: So that's it, the... That's the deal, right? Like, this is going to sound ludicrous, but, like, I kind of am planning on going to Atlanta because I feel like all of the shitty torture that happened in 2014 and all of just the sputtering engine that was in California last year, like, I don't know. The more I I think about these things... Well, plus, as long as
1: you've been following this team, like, your whole entire life, so... So, like, you're, that's you're what I'm saying, ground like, ground so.
0: right, so what I'm saying is, like, statistically speaking, right, one of these years, something's going to happen. They're going to break through. And I know that's, maybe that's just me with my my Cubs fan hat on, finally realizing that that shit does come true. Um, mm-hmm. But it did. And I think it's maybe changed my perspective. Everybody talks about matchups, matchups in the NCAA tournament, right, and health and health and health. But, like... Yeah, Dean Wade and Barry Brown, you know, they might play for K-State, whatever, and Martine's still on the shelf, and who knows how Jacob and Ronnie are feeling or whatever, everybody's banged up, everybody's nicked up at this time, but, like, that's actually something that seems to me breaking maybe at least a little. It's not going to hurt the Jays' chances, what's going on with Kansas State's health right now, right? We can all agree that that's not going to hurt Creighton's chances. And then the kid and, hunter and Virginia, DeAndre Hunter out for Virginia. Yes, yeah, I a mean huge.
1: That's a, that's the matchup nightmare in terms of right that that pairing for Creighton. Should they play? Should they move on to play Virginia? Right, DeAndre Hunter was going to be the one guy they had no answer for. Exactly,
0: and
1: he won't be playing. So yeah, you do you do kind of see some dominoes falling in Creighton's direction finally in terms and that of
0: injury. could all. Puff up and smoke in the first 20 minutes um, in Charlotte against Kansas State. Marcus misses a couple shots. The pressure gets too much. He starts to try to do too much. Kyrie can't guard every guy on the floor. Our bigs still really struggle with rebounding now. And those guys have a couple dudes that can hit the glass. And, you know, it's not going to be – none of this is going to be easy. But, yeah, I I mean, like, why the hell not? You know, let's go to Atlanta. Let's gorge on Chick fil A and Coca Cola and, you know, do what we're going to do. But I don't know. I, I, uh, no, the short answer after the long rambling is the Jays break through to a Sweet 16 and I'm physically able to be there. I'll be there. So,
1: yep.
0: As much well, we as, gotta, and then, we
1: uh, a little bit, didn't we? no, we're yeah,
0: yeah. So you were talking about if I was going <laughs> to choose between going to watch the, men, Sweet 16, in oh, Orleans, yeah. or the or the women's team in Kansas City, but or, um, power and I'll just say that it'll be a hell of a day if I have to make that choice, right?
1: Uh, right. You'll be happy either way if you have to make that decision. I'll
0: be happy either way, and I guess both times that I've maybe planned on going to watch a Jays team compete in a regional semifinal or greater in Kansas City, that's not worked out, uh, right. you know. Soccer wise and volleyball wise, so we'll just put it out there that um we'll 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 see how it goes or we'll wait till we uh you know we'll wait to see, but that doesn't stop us from the interview. Don't that, count, you know, the chi- don't count chickens before don't they count have the chickens. It. But like you said, you were able to talk to Sydney, Liberty, and Myun on uh. Uh, before you left town. So maybe set up that interview, talk about their confidence level, kind of the sense you got from them and prep this interview for us before we listen.
1: Yeah, so the first, well, I mean, obviously the first thing is just the, the getting over the excitement of making the field and um, getting back to basketball itself, like on the court and kind of working on a game plan um, to head out to LA to win games. They don't, they're they're not happy to be in the tournament. They think they deserve to be in the tournament. So, they feel like they're in their rightful place right now, and they are going out to LA to to prove it. Essentially, so um, you know they got they got they had a really good day of practice yesterday. Um, I didn't see them practice today, but I imagine it was something similar. Um, and you know, just talking to them about the Iowa matchup, it's it's like I said, just the familiarity with that team, with that personnel. Um, you know, Iowa's had some injuries this season, so they really lean on Megan Gustafson. Uh, you know, to kind of carry a a huge load for them. Um, And and historically, Jim Flannery and his staff have always found a way to kind of take away an opposition's best weapon and make other people beat them. And I don't think that's going to be any different. I don't think it's going to be any different on Saturday when they play Iowa. So while it's a tall tall task to contain Gustafson, I don't think that they're going to go in ill-prepared to do it that's kind of what comes off in this interview I think I expected them to be confident but I think I was surprised at the level of confidence that they actually had um, in regards to this matchup because Iowa is a really potent offensive team Um, they like to get up and down even though they're not that deep of a squad and the injuries have kind of hurt them in that regard but they will run up and down they will score a lot of points it's going to be a really exciting game no matter what happens I think it might even be might even it might even have it has a chance to be going to be the game on the first round, and that's the, the womens tournament so um just with the how good each team is how efficient each team is offensively so um but yeah i think I think the confidence level of of you know Melman e. and the whole team really comes off in this interview, so it was interesting to hear
0: so without further ado, we'll listen to that interview and then uh get you back here to wrap up uh wrap up this Blue Jays Bites podcast. So here's Matt is talking with Sydney Lamberti and Maya Melman on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. So, uh, yeah, um, just what was this week like for you guys, um, maybe
1: energy-wise? Cause did you guys have a practice at all while you were waiting before you knew you were in the tournament?
3: Mm-hmm. We um, had, yeah, we came back Saturday, had practice at 5, and then another one at 12.30 on Sunday. Yeah. They were pretty intense. You could tell that the coaches were bit stressed out, but I think it was good for us. We needed to have two oh, yeah. intense, difficult practices after having four days off. But yeah, things were very tense.
1: What was your what was what was your energy level like? Did you were you guys kind of like, um, what were we practicing for? Were we practice for, we for the tournament. We practiced for NIT. Um, we don't even know where we're going. Like, was everybody engaged, or did you kind of feel like um, everybody's minds was kind of on what might happen on Monday night?
4: felt like the first practice at least everyone was very like engaged in practice and came in with like a mindset that either way like our season wasn't over yet so it really didn't matter at that point what we were practicing for um I thought we did a pretty good job the first practice second practice was a little rough but yeah. I mean it was still good to get in the gym and get shots up and it was pretty intense as I said
1: I guess uh watching selection Monday I mean yeah. first of all what did the list of eight do for you guys Did that help you to easier does that does just, like, knowing that you're in the conversation and that you could at least, you're at least going to be considered, or did that help ease it at all, or did no. seeing that make it more stressful <laughs> the last 24 hours?
3: Definitely made it more stressful. I mean, Flynn said last night, too, with the interviews, that really, it was almost kind of pointless, because it only made those team those eight teams listed feel more anxious and worried yeah. about the selection show yeah. than, you know, it didn't really impact anyone else, but I think, yeah, it definitely made us, I mean, we, we knew we were last four in, you know, we had all kept up to date with the at brackets that have been out, last four in, first four out. So, I mean, we all kind of knew,
1: so. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, Casey, can you miss dunks, like, over there or something? <laughs> <laughs>
2: can you put
1: that on the podcast? Yeah, I can put it on the podcast. We can get a little edgy on the podcast. That's, well, that's all right. <laughs> Should have seen what she said before this story. Right. Um, <laughs> I guess when, so when you're watching it and you're. You're, you obviously know four teams from that list are going down. Are you crossing them off in your mind? Are you going, all right, there's two. Yes. There's three. Yes. All right, we're basically down to one more. Like, which
4: it was, one? like,
3: straight sweat, <laughs> yeah. sweating once was, the third team was called. Really? We were like, oh, I mean, oh my I gosh. looked over at Sydney, and then I looked over at Audrey, and I was like, are we out? Like, I mean, you saw Buffalo right away. Then we saw Oklahoma. Then we were really like, okay, crap, if Oklahoma's in, it's probably not super great for us. Yeah and then Minnesota gets called, and then we were really, like, honestly, I You're thought I was going to throw up. Throw really? Yeah, I didn't think we were going to get in, honestly. So, but the
1: yeah, because I guess once you saw four teams, they kind of did a good job, I guess, for TV of splitting up in brackets, which is kind of funny, but um, or torturous, however you want to say it. But, like, oh, wow, yeah, you were about to throw up. <laughs>
3: yeah, I was very nervous.
1: <laughs> so uh, when you, you know, it kind of made it, Good for drama, but for you guys, that had to just be an unbelievably probably more tense of a moment than you've had maybe in games and oh, things like that. Sure. Was it oh, more 100%. nervous? Because you had no control at that point, nah, No, no, nope.
4: literally no. Control. I think that's what I hated about the moment was like there was nothing we could do. Like we had literally left it up to other people to decide for us. Yeah. I think I hated that the most. Yeah. How much
1: did that? How much did that bug you? Knowing, I mean, because you know Marquette's a tough team. Yeah. Losing to them doesn't hurt your resume, mm. but it's also a team that you've beaten before and that you know you could beat. So. Was there a bad taste in your mouths uh, after that game, knowing that you have essentially left your NCAA tournament fate up to a room full of people that, you know, you don't really know, you haven't really talked to, all that sort of thing, The kind of the powerlessness of it?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think not just the Marquette game, but you look back a week before that, losing to Georgetown and then Villanova. I think that was probably – more of a worse feeling, knowing that, you know, if we would have got one, both of those, we probably for sure would have been fine. Mm. So I think not, not I mean, obviously didn't feel great after the Marquette loss, but I was more thinking in my head, gosh, if we could have just got one of those on the road the week before, we'd be feeling a lot better about things.
1: So as seniors now getting to play in this tournament again for the second year in a row, I mean, you're kind of, you know, building a little bit of expectation there for the program that you're leaving behind you, because what is the fourth tournament to a tournament appearance in seven years, um, the third at-large, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that kind of means your body of work, you don't have to necessarily win a conference tournament to be an automatic bid. It's almost more impressive to be in that large team because that means your body of work, you know, makes you one of the top 36, really. So, I mean, what does it mean to you guys as seniors to, you know, get two at-large bids um, your final two years here and kind of leave a mark on this program of kind of like a new standard, if you will?
4: I mean, I just think it's an amazing feeling because like when you're younger that's like what you watch like that's what you watch in March mm-hmm. and it's something you dream about and so getting to do it with all of your best friends and people that you love is just an awesome feeling and I think that knowing like people coming in knowing that we have done this and we've gone back to back years that they'll believe that they
3: can do the same thing so I think it's good for our program. I think you got to credit F- <clears throat> Flan with his scheduling. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't mm-hmm. be here if it wasn't for playing UCLA, South Dakota State. South, you know, the strength of schedule I think is probably what I would say got us in. Um, so you got to credit that over the years. He's never been afraid to play the top teams in the country. Right. And you know, especially when they're in the valley, it's a little bit different in the biggies. But you got to schedule those um, tough non-conference games; otherwise, you really don't have a chance um, when it comes to tournament time. How mm-hmm. much is
1: the, how much of that? Like, I guess that fearless approach to scheduling has filtered down to you guys as players I mean I imagine like if you see a UConn there's still some intimidation and things (laughs) like that but I mean other than that is there anyone else you would see and just look at a name on the front of the jersey and feel like you know you're facing an uphill battle here do you feel like that type of scheduling throughout your career has kind of prepared you for every moment you could possibly face
3: I mean, we were looking at the bracket, and we were feeling great about things. You know, Iowa at first, I think it's a great matchup for us, mm-hmm. and then, you know, don't want to look too far ahead, but if we do look ahead, a uh, potential of playing UCLA again, I think that's a beatable game for yeah. us, a winnable game. Um, you look back when we played them in over Thanksgiving, I don't I think we lost by maybe 10, but we were right there the whole game. Mm-hmm. You know, we can compete with the best of them. So, yeah, I just think it's cool, like, when, when like,
4: we have a – really good team that we're going to play against and like our entire team's like we can win like no one no one's sitting there like doubting us or the coaches tell us that we can win and it's just like this whole entire just like belief of everyone throughout the team
1: so how do you feel about the the iowa matchup i guess it's a team you're obviously very familiar with you play them you know in front of nobody every single season um for your first road test flan likes to make it your first road test but um i guess how do you feel about the matchup that you know that they present um you know, for your first basketball tournament game here this year?
3: Um, I mean, I think it's great for us. Honestly, probably one of the best draws we've, you know, could have gotten, you know, very familiar with them, played them, um, like you said, in a scrimmage at the beginning of the year. Um, I'm guessing everyone's thinking, you know, how are they going to guard Megan Gustafson? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you also have to turn around and look at um, Iowa. How are you going to guard Audrey? How are you going to guard Jalen? How are you going to guard Sid? You know, I think we're more of a um, complete team, I -hmm. would say, as a whole. You know, everyone's scoring. It's not just – on one person's shoulder. And I think, um, you know, you look at Big Ten play, there's not a lot of scout defense played. It's a lot more up and down, you know, more on the offensive focused end. And I think um, we'll do a really good job of keying in on player tendencies, taking away strong hands, you know, focusing in on Megan Gustafson. You know, we're going to make them beat us from somewhere else besides inside. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because I think we're very similar, as in, like, we're really
4: pass heavy team and assist heavy team Mm -hmm. but I think we're very different when it comes to like they really run up the court like they're in a conference that you know they score a lot of points and I just think it'll be interesting to play a team like that
1: and when you look at the, the the draw obviously you assume if you assume chalk it's Iowa UCLA so those are the two teams you'll you'll have to get through but you've you've played them both this year already and like you said it was single digit results both games um And then Kansas City is your Sweet 16 destination. Do you feel like, you know, there was a lot of celebration yesterday, but do you feel like it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that you guys can make a run here and actually, you know, get to Kansas City for crying out loud, where you can have like a whole fan base, you know, behind you? We almost feel like you guys would have, you know, quite a bit of an advantage there in terms of the crowd Mm -hmm. maybe.
4: Yeah, we definitely try not to look ahead, but it's just kind of hard sometimes, you know, when it's right there and you're looking at the bracket. Um, It's definitely crossed our minds that, it could we could seriously make a run in this and that it, we really have a good chance to make it to Kansas City.
1: Because that's kind of the next step, right? I mean, you've made four NCAA tournaments in the last seven, but last year, your first round game, you know, you blew Toledo off the floor. and You know, you gave Oregon State a really good game in Corvallis. Um, like, the next step is that second weekend, right? I mean, do you feel like that's something that's attainable? I mean, as far as you certainly have proven you can beat teams like that. It's all a matter of if you can do it twice in three days, right?
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, Sid said you don't want to look too far ahead, but at the same time, like, our goal is to win two games mm-hmm. and make it to the Sweet 16. You're not – we're not going to go in there thinking, all right, let's beat Iowa and then, you know, it's all right, we lose to UCLA. No, our goal is to go there and win two games, head back on to Kansas City, be pretty great.
1: Yeah, I guess the last one here is, for, uh, Maya, you mentioned in, you know, a couple weeks ago when we had that group interview that um, – the first couple of years here were pretty tough on you and that to get to the point you're at right now gave you a little bit more appreciation for it. Now, just finishing your career in this way, tournament, kind of what you guys have kind of grown up dreaming about, playing in that thing. Um, I mean, how do you feel about this whole journey that you've been on so far and the fact that you get to end it where, you know, kind of where everybody wants to end it?
3: Right. Um, honestly, it's kind of just indescribable. Like, I just feel extremely thankful and extremely blessed that, I've been able, you know, to do what this team has done, you know, to walk alongside Sydney and Audrey and Jalen and Kylie and Bailey and, you know, experience all the ups and downs. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about how many games you win, how many minutes you play, how many points you score. It's, you know, who you make the memories with. And that's what I'm just extremely thankful for is that I get to end my career at the NCAA tournament with my best friends.
1: How do you how do you feel about though? I mean, because you're in like the the spotlight. You're the team. You're, the team's gonna focus. The opponent team's gonna focus on you. You're gonna have the ball in your hands most of the game. What is what is all this gonna mean for you in this this last weekend? If it is your last weekend playing, um, that you get to end it in the NCAA tournament and kind of go out where, like you said, you dreamed about going out as a kid.
4: Um, honestly, like ditto to everything that Maya just said. Because to me, it is it doesn't matter about the points or any of that, or if. I'm going to be, like, honing on on defense. Like, it, literally none of that matters to me as long as I'm in the tournament with the people that I care about. And we were actually texting about it last night, it's just, like, crazy to see where we came from freshman year <laughs> mm-hmm. and just, like, to see where we are now and the type of people we are now and, like, how we've become leaders on this team. It's just really awesome.
1: Appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you. you. Safe travels and good luck in L.A. Thanks.
0: All right, Matt, great stuff. As usual, I want to thank you for heading out to Charlotte and being out there as a – as a great representative, as always, of White and Blue Review and all the Jays uh, followers here in Omaha and and beyond, um, maybe tell folks a little bit of what you got planned, just from a high level, your next couple days out in Charlotte and what they can look for uh, from the from the mighty pen of Matt Morenas. <laughs> Jesus,
1: um, <laughs> I you know I, I just think this. I don't want to. I don't want this to sound a certain way, but I mean. We obviously provide uh, Creighton coverage for free, and by doing that, it's hard to, you know, make these trips happen logistically because the income that we get from this isn't, you know, terribly great. So that's, you know, certainly understating it. But I, you know, I just uh, we're out here. We're, we're going to give you some podcasts. We're going to give you some write ups. We're going to give you some stories um, previews, recaps, you know, all the things that people have seemed to enjoy, we get great feedback from it. Um, so I just hope that it's my hope that people will, you know, read it, support it. Um, because the effort is, is there, you know, we have a whole team of people that do a great job. Um, and, you know, I, I try to deflect as much, credit as possible because I it's not I can't do any of this without you guys. And I don't think people I don't think people would realize that. I think they because I'm so loud of a personality in general that people just think I um that I do this uh without without the amazing support of White and Blue Review. Like I mean Tom is amazing at what he does. Um his his morning afters, his primers, his videos um, his highlight reels. Um, you know, Darren is the man when it comes to just hanging out with me late at night and making sure um, editing my stuff, looking at you know all the mistakes I definitely make when I write, um, getting that stuff corrected and publishing it out for the masses. And you know, Bryant with the podcast and you know editing my stuff, put getting the photos together, um, you know, giving me feedback on writing style and. Uh, I just don't, it's a, a, it really is an incredible team effort. Um, just, and the foundation of it all is just passion for Creighton athletics. You know what I mean? Like it's all, it's all just because we want, we wanted Creighton coverage. We wanted Creighton coverage and we wanted to enhance it and we wanted to, and we wanted to give it to people in a different type of way. Um, and that's really what this whole thing is just born out of. And so I hope that, um, while well, it sounds like I'm begging for support here. I just hope that people <laughs> appreciate. I hope that people appreciate the lengths that we go to because it's not it's not easy to do. Um, I know this might not sound the greatest right now, but it's just like that's what we we try to do it for the Creighton fan base because um, it is a big fan base that deserves coverage, and um, there is enough there is enough of this world to have multiple outlets covering it. So for our part, we try to do the best we can and hopefully people can appreciate the lengths that we've gone to to, you know, follow this team around and, um, you know, kind of provide our voice for, for Creighton Athletics. So, yeah, that's the foundation for what you're going to get this weekend and, and certainly what you're going to get going forward,
0: no yeah. question. No, we appreciate you being the representative out there and, um, you know, at practice every day. And at games all the time and filing, uh, stories certainly, but just that constant feed of information that so many of us fiend for on social media and Twitter in particular, um, you know, it just makes us feel like, you know, for all of us nerds that would love to be in the program, it makes us feel like we're there and, um, and you do it in a level-headed, level-set way that doesn't show any um, undue bias, which is uh, rare around these parts. Let's be honest. So you know, we really appreciate it, and this is the type of coverage that we, you know, that we that we um, promote in the summer when we're running a Kickstarter campaign, or that we, you know, are very proud to share with our sponsors like Sun Valley and Creighton Federal. Um, that have been with us for a long time now, and they they see that the passion that our fans and the Jays fans have for the product, both on the court and what comes from our site. So, um, you know, here's to a weekend of more great stuff, and hopefully then a weekend after that of more great stuff. So, yeah, yeah, we'll take it one at a time, but um, we'll certainly look forward to what you have to post tomorrow and the next day, and we'll go from there. Yep. Sounds good. Plan. Jay's fans enjoy the extra basketball you're the last team in Nebraska standing again in March so enjoy it wear blue Thursday wear blue Friday rub it in do whatever you need to do um, nice. but enjoy the you know enjoy the games from Charlotte because as we all know there's only a couple dozen of these teams that get to still playing around uh, this time of year so don't take it for granted. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. So for Matt Morenas in Charlotte, North Carolina, amidst a bunch of uh, North Carolina fans, um, <laughs> I hope you find refuge uh, and hopefully just wear like an Ethan Rogge t-shirt around, maybe see what happens. It should be good. Uh, for Matt Moranis, I'm Brian Dott, and we really appreciate you. Uh, supporting us at whiteandbluereview.com. So for that, I'll give you a hearty good night or good morning whenever you're listening to this, and a really rowdy Go Jays.